Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. I wanted to introduce you today to a new program I've put together and I've been working on over the last few months called the Eight Transformational Steps to Freedom. Now, I say I've been working on this for the last few months. I've probably actually been working on this for the last 30 years. <laughs> and why do I say that? Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit before I introduce you to the eight transformational steps to freedom. I'm going to actually talk to you a little bit on why I think that I might be the right person who can teach you, if you like, or who can help you change your mindset and that way you can change your life. But before I, I do that, I know a lot of people are think, well, why are you so qualified to tell me these things? Or why are you so qualified or think you're qualified to teach me how to change my life? And why I think that is because I don't think I'm a big guru. I don't think I'm the best person in the world. But what I do know is that I've used these methods, these eight transformational steps to freedom over the last 30 years to change my life. So let me take you back a little bit first and, and introduce you to my life and how far I've come really. So I want to take you right, right back and I'm not going to take it on a big long story and, I, and there's lots of stuff that I'm going to leave out and you know <laughs> that I've got a book coming out at the end of the year called The Motivational Medium so that'll have lots more detail in it and quite some funny stories. However, getting back to this, why do I think I'm the right person to take you on this eight transformational steps to freedom journey? Well, I want to take you back to the young girl who was 21 years of age and life was fine. She had a young baby. She was married. You know, everything was going her way, you know. Um, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, a, a person in her life, a really strong lady in her life, who she looked up to so much and spent a lot of her time with. This is me. Um, my Auntie May, I lost my Auntie May within eight weeks. She was 50 years of age. She was diagnosed with cancer and died within eight weeks. Now, this absolutely shattered my family. Now, me and my mum were really close because we were close in age. She was only 19 when she had me. Um, and May was my mum's eldest sister. So May was like a mum to us. And me and my mum were quite close. We were like mum and sister or, you know, sisters, sorry, or mum mom and daughter, whatever way. But we were really close. Now, my mum had six children and I was the eldest of six children. And the other five happened to be boys. <laughs> so our house was quite crazy. Yeah. Anyway, it was OK. And we always had lots of fun. But this really blew us out the water. Now, 12 months after my auntie died, my mum was only in her early 40s. I think she was 43 at the time. She became really, really sick and unsteady on her feet. And after lots and lots of tests, um, we discovered she had MS, but she had quite advanced MS. Within another couple of weeks, um, she she had she was coughing blood up and um, she got diagnosed with lung cancer. So this lady was about 43 years of age, 44 years of age, and she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and lung cancer. Now, my world was just crumbling, and I was trying my hardest to take care of her and look after At this time, I'd also had another child, a little boy, and I was trying to look after him and also um, my younger brothers, because the youngest was, was around about eight or nine at the time. 
Anyway, unfortunately, my mum um, passed away when she was 47 and I was 27. And this absolutely blew my world apart. I didn't think I would get over it. And I jumped, I was working in the hospital as well at the time, and I jumped straight out of all this chaos of nursing my mum on a daily basis, because we literally lived around the corner from each other, to buying a shop. Yeah, in my wisdom, I thought I'd buy a shop, maybe something to fill the space. I don't know. Anyway, I bought the shop, that went into bankruptcy. Um, I had an ectopic pregnancy. Um, yeah, it was all going a bit haywire. So things... Um, we're, we're going a bit crazy and my my ex-husband at the time he decided we could go on holiday so he, he took us on a, on holiday to um spain and we get on the plane and i had a panic attack now i'd never had a panic attack in my life anyway on that what happened there was every time i got on a plane the panic attacks got worse and worse and worse to, till it became a phobia i developed or i'd taught myself how to have this massive panic attack on a plane okay and why i say taught myself is because i believe that everything is a learned behavior and we'll talk a little bit about that later on so let's go back so i was having these panic attacks not only with planes but then it got to be when i was with a crowd of people if i was in a crowd if i went to the city center i would have a panic attack yeah so these panic attacks were becoming quite debilitating Anyway, I was I was actually studying to be, um, I was an auxiliary nurse when I was working in the hospital when my mum was alive and I went on to do five GCSEs after my mum died and trained, got myself into university and I was training to be a nurse. So while I was training to be a nurse, um, I'd started getting a little bit of my strength back um, and the panic attacks were starting to come less and far and few between. However, when I was when I was training to be a nurse, then unfortunately, um, my marriage broke up. So now I was on my own with these two children, two gorgeous kids, and um, and no husband. <laughs> anyway, it all turned out well in the end. I qualified as a nurse, and and everything was okay. Now I actually met a gorgeous man um, after my marriage split up. I actually met a gorgeous man called Mitch, who I'm married to today. Um, and we've been together for nearly 20 years now. So let's go back a little bit further. So the panic attacks for the plane, it's, uh, I didn't get on a plane because I was a student there, so I wasn't going very far. Anyway, my husband now, Mitch, wanted to take me to Italy to meet all his family with his mum and my two kids. So we get on this plane and I have, oh yeah, good old panic attack comes back tenfold so it's massive <clears throat> so i end up flying all the way to italy in the cockpit with the pilot trying to calm me down now you could do that in them days these days you can't get into the cockpit but you could then so i get to italy now as soon as we landed our luggage had gone missing as well <laughs> talk about law of attraction i'll talk to you about law of attraction in one of the episodes um but i had manifested and i had to attract all all of this chaos that was coming in so all the luggage had gone missing as well so um good old panic attack but when we got to italy I was thinking, I'll be okay, I'll be fine. Because that's the thing about panic attack. Once it leaves, yeah, then you start thinking, no, I'll be all right, I'll be okay. You know, until the trigger comes again and it kicks it off again. Oh, and it did big time. So we goes to leave Italy and we get to the airport. And as we're in the airport, 
didn't even wait till for me to get on a plane. The panic attack started in the airport. Now, I'm in the airport and I'm panicking and the kids are on my passport because the kids used to be on your passport in them days. Kids are on my passport so my mother-in-law couldn't get them on the plane. My husband's saying, it's okay, we don't have to get on the plane. We are in Italy. How are we going to get home? So I, in my wisdom, goes outside the airport, finds this, there was a train station by the airport. So I find this airport and I'm telling the lady that I need to get back to Liverpool. Yes, not just the UK, Liverpool. So this lady must have thought I was crazy too. Anyway, another big long story short, (laughs) what we did was we got a train from that part of Italy where we was. We traveled up to Rome. Then we got another train from Rome to France. Then we got a taxi through France to Paris and then we got a shuttle from Paris to uh, London and then we got another train from London to Milton Keynes and then we got the car from Milton Keynes and we drove home. That is how much fear I had in me about getting on a one and a half hour flight. I, I wouldn't do it and it took us two days to get home with the kids they thought it was great it was the big adventure you know like everything I turned it into a massive adventure because the guilt was just unbelievably weighing heavy on me or what I'd done they they still laugh about it to this day and think it's hysterical anyway so I'm gonna fast forward just a little bit now so I've come and I've got me training and I've had another son by this time and my dream to go to Australia went out the window obviously I could never get on a plane well, I met a gorgeous lady. I was talking to one of the girls. The girls in Wehall thought this was hilarious as what happened to me in, in, in Italy. Because um, in work, I was quite a sensible person and a level-headed person. Put me near a plane. Nah, everything went to pot. So they introduced me to this lady, gorgeous lady, absolute beautiful soul, who's still one of my loveliest friends today, called Steph. Now, she had a company um, where she taught fear of flying, but she used meditation and Reiki and um, NLP to to do this. Now, a lot of you probably know that I actually studied NLP and I work with my coaching clients using NLP today. And that's where it come from because I, I thought it was an amazing technique. So me and Steph done lots and lots of flights from Liverpool over to Dublin, from Dublin back to Liverpool, then to Belfast and back, just to get me over to see all these techniques that we were doing, did they work? So I'd done lots and lots of flights. I was still really, really fearful of flying. However, the phobia or the panic attacks had stopped. Now, we decided then, let's go to Australia. So... um. <laughs> some of you might be thinking she must be crazy yes I am <laughs> I don't I the fear barrier when people talk about the fear barrier I smash it I absolutely drive over it like I'm red rum going over beaches brook that's an entry race course by the way um but this is this is me you know this is me I don't let anything get in my way so if I think that something's gonna stop me it's like no 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 no. I need to find a way of getting around this so I had three years of all this stuff with with Steph and then I decided to send off all my paperwork apply for Australia uh, the furthest flight I'd had at the time was Malta um which I took a couple of volume to get on <laughs> so I'd got on the flight, yeah? I hadn't freaked out and not run away from a flight. 
So we get into Australia, um, we got accepted, we sold the house, sold the two cars, gave our jobs up, and my furniture is in the ship container halfway around the world, and my family were freaking out, thinking she's never going to get on the plane. Anyway, as you know, I got on the plane and I came to Australia. But all this stuff that I, I learned and the positivity and absolutely smashing these fears I wanted to teach to other people I'm so passionate about it because it changed my life and that's why I continue to study this stuff I continue to read everything about it I, I've I've been to Tony Robbins um, seminars I'm going to another one this year I've been to Aaron Sansoni I've read all of Bob Proctor's books of I've worked um, with Tad James. I've done NLP with Tad James company. Um, everything I can possibly get my hands on. I drink this stuff like water because it has been so transformational to my life. Now, as you all know, I'm here in Australia. And that's why I've lived my dream or I'm living my dream. And I'm living it because I've decided to cut down the fear. Now, does the fear still come in? Yeah, it does. Now, I, I don't know whether some of you know this, but I actually went to Hong Kong. Now, see, even saying that sentence is mind-blowing to me. I went to Hong Kong. This is a girl who, who freaked out in Rome and in Italy and ended up getting a train for two days, you know? So to, to talk about going to Hong Kong, that was a massive achievement for me. When I got to see the, the big Buddha, I think I stood there crying. I was on my own. <laughs> because <laughs> of this it was mind-blowing you know absolutely mind-blowing so when I was in Hong Kong unfortunately Mitch and Taylor got sick now remember it wasn't just flying it was crowds and being on my own and things like that that used to give me the this actual fear um so when Mitch and Taylor got sick unfortunately we'd also booked to go on this um trip up to see the big Buddha um, and we had to go on this cable car, which was 45 minutes long. It was one of the highest cable cars in the world. We went up these mountains and through the, the clouds. And Mitch and Tay are in bed saying they can't come with me. I was like, okay, what do I do? Do I let the fear get hold of me and just not go? But I knew I'd regret that for the rest of my life. Or do I smash through my fears? So what I did is I took it little steps by little steps. So I said, right, okay, I'm going. So I put my backpack on in the morning. I got out the room and I went down and met the coach. Uh, it was six o'clock in the morning. I was on my own. So every time the guy took us somewhere, then he'd leave us on, us on our own. And I was walking around with all these people. It was the most liberating feeling ever. It was, it was amazing just to think that I've actually done this and how far I'd come. Now, I was thinking, yeah, I've done this. I've smashed through that girl. I've smashed through that girl. Still thinking in the back of my mind, oh God, I've got the um, cable car to come. Yeah. Anyway, gets back on the coach and he says, right, we're going to go up to see the cable car. So we goes up to see the cable car and we're still standing there outside. And I could see all these people absolutely terrified. And I was thinking, I'm going to do this. And I just, I just did it. I, I'm on this cable car. And I've I felt every moment. This is where I think mindfulness is the most powerful thing ever in the world. If you can bring your mind right back into that very moment and focus on something, 
then your whole being changes. The fear doesn't doesn't get a grip of you. Everything changes. Because when I was on that cable car, and there was a time, 45 minutes, this is long. So I knew I weren't getting off anytime soon. So I'm on this cable car, and then there's a time when you sort of turn, and then you start going up this mountain. And the clouds, and as we hit the clouds, the cable car started to swing. Now, the old Anne-Marie would have been hitting the floor, absolutely wanting to be sick, you know? I, I can't even believe what I would have been like a, a few years ago. The new Amory was going, wow, can't wait for them clouds to pass. I want to see what's over there. I, I, I was absolutely bringing my mind back constantly to the now, constantly to the now. I want to, where am I? I want to be here. Look what I'm experiencing. I wouldn't let the feeling of fear come anywhere near me. It was, it was the most liberating thing ever. So I get to the top of the cable car and I was so proud of myself. I had no one to share it with because I was on my own and everyone in my cable car didn't speak English. And as you can tell from my accent, <laughs> not many people English can understand my accent. So I wanted to scream at all these Chinese people, do you know what I've just achieved? But I couldn't <laughs> because no one understood a word I said. So I walked around all day with this absolutely glow and smile right smack across my chops. And then it came to the time to get back on the cable car. Again, that little inkling, that little fear came tinkling on my door. There's no way you're getting in. I'm going to enjoy every minute of this. And I sat on there and I enjoyed every single minute of it. So eight transformational steps to freedom. Was I free that day? Million percent. Do I have fear? Yeah. Do I let it stop me? Not in a million years. Okay. And that's where I want to take you on this journey with me. So I know I've gone on for a little while. I hope you've managed to stick with me. Um, just some of the things that I've battled through in my life to, to be a more positive person, to to keep smiling, you know, and just to, to be the person that I am today has not been an easy journey, but has it been worth it? Oh my God, yeah. And that's what I want to share with you guys. So please come on board, subscribe to the podcast. It's the eight transformational steps to freedom. So you'll see um, my podcast is actually called The Spiritual Life with Anne-Marie Lord. Um, but this over the next few weeks, um, and I hate saying MMM, but I say it all the time, so I'm sorry. The well, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Never say sorry, okay? That's that's lesson number one. <laughs> eight transform and eight transformational steps to freedom. Come on this journey with me, guys. It will be fun if nothing else, and watch how your life will change. I hope you have a fantastic week and a fantastic day, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye.